Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. We are recording this on Tuesday, April 10th. I am Connor O'Gara. He is Chris Marler. Chris, oh my goodness. I know I say that a lot. I know I say oh my goodness too much. Maybe we should put that to rest. But Steve Spurrier, the head ball coach, is going to be a head ball coach in the very near future, and I am excited. In honor of The Undertaker's return at WrestleMania, Oh, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, okay. Nobody cares. <laughs> I was just throwing it out there just to get all our wrestling fans. We'll do a wrestling pod next week. Anyway, yeah, dude, I'm pumped. I'm real pumped. Old yeah. ball coach is back. We're going to talk about a lot of spring game stuff. We, we're going to look back at the weekend that was. We're going to look back, or we're going to look ahead a little bit to what we got coming up. And uh, we got a, a few other things that we want to get to, some ESPN, FPI stuff, uh, as well as some, some interesting things about uh, the Shea Patterson situation. But we got to talk about the head ball coach because the fact that he's coming back to coaching, uh, he is 72 years old right now, and he's going to be 73 next week. So just something to keep in mind. He is going yeah. to be, in case you somehow missed it, Steve Spurrier is the first coach uh, who's going to be joining this American Alliance of Football. Interesting <sighs> name. Not sure about the name. Might have to, <laughs> Not great. Uh, might have to workshop that. Uh, we can come up with something else for you. You listeners, you guys can come up with something too. But Steve Spurrier is basically the, the face of this league now uh, going forward. And it's a really smart move on their part. I don't know yeah. what they're paying him to be the face of the league. I imagine a lot. but It has to be a lot. I mean, what, what convinces a guy like Steve Spurrier to take on an opportunity like this? A lifetime supply of Coors Originals and not having Steven Garcia as your quarterback. That would probably convince a lot of people. I would love Steven Garcia to be my quarterback. I'm just oh, saying, I, for I know they butted heads a lot. I just, I mean, well, but I would do anything for a lifetime supply of Coors Original. This is true. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the head ball coach coming back to football is just a sign that 2018 is, is already off to a very unpredictable start, I would yeah. think. Well, minus the whole, like, Alabama winning the national championship. That was cool. Yeah, I enjoyed that part. Yeah, other than that, pretty unpredictable, though. He said that he's joining this, this league and that what attracted to him was, was actually the rules. And it kind of makes sense when you think about it because he said he liked the fact that there's only 30 seconds in between plays and that right. these games are only going to be two and a half hours long. He said that, I believe it was uh, an appearance on Good Morning America or one of those one of those shows. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he's kind of right. And I sort of see the appeal from his standpoint. If you're a guy who's 72, 73 years old, and let's face it, the way he went out at South Carolina, <laughs> he, he ran out of gas. He, he doesn't have a whole uh, he lot ran out left of patience, I think. <laughs> Patience, gas, whatever you All want to call same. it. All the same when you're 72 years old. Yeah, so so when he walks by somebody and lets, lets a little one go, he's like, oh, that's just patience. Yeah, exactly. You didn't oh. have to go there, but you did. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I did go there. <laughs> so the, the interesting thing is that getting to coach in this league, he's not going to have to worry about the pressures of a college job or an NFL job, which I right. don't think he's really suited for at this point in life. I think he wants to just be able to show up, live where he wants to live, Coach maybe a few months of the year, still do whatever he wants for the other eight or nine months. Yeah, he yeah. can do some promotional stuff, but he's Steve Spurrier. Like he, he has I mean, no problem doing that. At some point, he's going to try to have one of these games like in the, his backyard. Like if y'all can just come down here for practice, I got a fenced-in backyard. We got a whole bunch of room. I'll move the swing set from the grandkids, and we'll it'll be fine. He's probably got a big enough backyard to do that. I would think. I would right? hope so. He probably lives on a golf course, and I see him thinking nothing wrong with being like, "Hey, y'all, we're taking over. We're taking over seventh hole today." So we got practice out here. No one touch the green. Make sure you have actual golf shoes on, and we're going to be uh, going to work here about an hour. 
we don't know what the competition level is going to look like in this league or really what kind of players they're going to get. It seems like we, between that, the spring league and the XFL, a new league is pretty much sprouting up yeah. um, by the minute, so to speak. But So we don't know like what sort of time commitment this is going to be, but I can't imagine they're saying to him, this is going to take 17 hours uh, during right. the week. <laughs> yeah. like, he's going to still be Steve Spurrier, and he's still going to live the life that he's always wanted to live. It's just it, it's crazy that that something like this would appeal to him, and you kind of go back a few decades ago. I wasn't alive for this, but I know people that were um, in his USFL me? days. No, you. I don't think you were alive for Spurrier's USFL days because that was like oh no, no no when he was with the uh, was he with the the Bandits the, Tam- the Tampa Bandits was that the team name Yeah, I think it was I think it was Tampa Bay Bandits, but they had the best offense in the league. I've seen the I've seen the thirty for thirty. Oh yeah, and so they, were, they had they the best great. offense in the league, and that was until Jim Kelly went to Houston, obviously, yeah, and and I mean fair. like. You guys remember all the USFL stats. You remember. Yeah, Trump messed up the USFL. That was pretty much like the whole point of the documentary, right? No, I, no comment. <laughs> yeah, we, we, won't get, we won't go down Bam that was already hole. spinning their afternoon there, and I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted. So, oh. right, But as somebody who lives in Orlando, I'm excited to see Steve Spurrier coming yeah. and, and having spring football when there's like not a whole lot else going on. Well, they've, they've got stuff going on. There's the UCF spring game. There's football down there, right? We're we'll get, get to, to that, that later. later. Yeah. We're get <laughs> no, to but that yeah, later. I mean, like that's it's it's awesome. That, like I think so. The whole point of any of these spring leagues and any of these other leagues are trying to make like the XFL, and we've talked about it before. I think the XFL is actually doing a good job of what they're trying to do, and that is get away and and carve out their own little niche. Like I hate that word so much. It just be niche, 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 whatever. Rhymes with quiche. Yeah. Oh, I had a quiche this morning, by the way. It was fantastic. Quiche is, does not get enough love. That's pretty I almost tweeted that you. this morning. It, but quiche is incredible. Oh, quiche is incredible. We're going to get to that later, too. But they, it might quiche, mean too much. I got a quiche on a Tuesday, my shirt right now. Having quiche on a Tuesday morning is a pretty basic thing to do. I'm just saying. And, and you've got Starbucks after. so I haven't had quiche in. I got the quiche from the Starbucks, first off. Oh, wow. That's yeah, exactly. So you know it was overpriced and, and not a lot of calories in there. Regardless, I haven't had quiche in forever. We'll move on. Um, what the XFL is trying to do, <laughs> seven minutes in, we're already off topic, yeah. so is trying to take away from that small demographic of people that went you know, off on the NFL and how they didn't want to be a part of that fan base anymore because of all the political stuff, all the extracurricular stuff that takes away from football that made them not, you know, it takes away from the stuff they love about the sport. So they're kind of trying to take that demographic and that audience and create it as their own. I think, I think it's a great idea. That being said, all the only way this is ever going to succeed is if it's not in direct competition with the NFL, exactly. which means if it's in the summer, if it's in the spring, whenever we're just football-starved and hungry for it, that's when we're going to have it. And so that's a quiche reference. You're, you're welcome. That was good. So, okay. <laughs> so I think it's smart. And to have somebody like Steve Spurrier come in, I think it's, I think it's a brilliant move. Brilliant move. So did you see who he's trying to get as his quarterback? Of course. I, God, that is the worst. Tim Tebow. What? Oh, I want to see that. Sign me up for that, man. He's busy. He's busy hitting bombs in Double A. I know. Hey, first at bat. We didn't even talk first about pitch. that. First pitch. First pitch. I just want to point out that, that first pitch was a down and in slider that he decided to to take a swing at. He had two runners on. I don't know how many outs there were, but he went oh oh. He went slider down and in. Well, I'm, I'm impressed that he hit it over the fence, but I'm just as a baseball guy, that was. When your Tebow and baseball is a beach ball and you can just hit it a mile. Yeah, that's... exactly. That was, uh, he's going to hit two more home runs and have five more hits the rest of the season. Well, so I was actually talking about this with my brother yesterday. And like, what, what would be the appeal for, for Tebow to come back and play in this league? Well, if he realizes, you know, it would kind of be 
basically washing his baseball dream, so to speak, down the toilet. Like, who actually expects to just be a major leaguer in two years in the minor leagues? Like, if Tebow's going to do this baseball thing, it's going to take more than two years. Well, and I think the only way he was going to get up there is if, and we've talked about this before as well, is if the Mets were, like, if the Mets suck, then yeah, it makes sense. Like, hey, hey, now, yeah, then, now they're good stuff. Well, they should be good with that, that pitching rotation. But, yeah, we digress. That that's. I hope he gets Tebow in there. I would have loved... Loved, loved to see Spurrier and Manziel, though. Yeah, we can still hold out, hold out hope for that. We don't yeah. know the future of the spring, links, the spring league, so to speak. Johnny Manziel's already throwing touchdown passes in that, too, so that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, he only had one, but yeah. yeah. Probably had a quiche that morning. Breakfast of champions. Goodness gracious. Let's get you off quiche and <laughs> on to ESPN FPI win projections. Oh, the football boy. power index that everybody loves so much. Just so a these great topic rankings. conversation. <laughs> not rankings, so to speak. No, it's, they're not rankings at all. And that this it throws off a lot of people. It does, and I think the the key thing is that it factors in schedule a lot, and maybe yeah. too much because we don't. I, and I hate getting caught up in the win loss thing in in April because like everything changes, and and all of a sudden, you know, you think Georgia is a decent team right. last year, and then okay, they're basically Alabama trying to face them. So I, things change so quickly in college football, and our preseason projections are always so wrong that projecting schedules just seems it seems silly but it, it <laughs> even that's what the I was time. doing last week for Tennessee like into exactly. the year 2020 <laughs> no I mean exactly. I, I agree with what you're saying so this this rubbed me the wrong way last year and this and this is why because obviously I thought I mean like being a Bama fan I thought Bama had a legitimate shot at getting into or at least having like a great shot at getting into the national championship and winning the national championship they had Ohio State ranked number one the entire year which makes sense because they're in, in the, the big FPI. 10. Yeah, in the, the FPI, which which all it is, it's a it's a number of different things, but it's it's basically like you said, it's just it's the main component of it is is who has the best percentage of chance to win out right. the rest of their season or win each game. So last year going into the season, I was like, yep, Bama's number two, whatever, that's fine, because I had Ohio State in the national championship game preseason. They had Auburn number five, and I was like, that is outlandish. Auburn sure was enough. pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> Auburn Auburn's was a pretty, pretty good, good last team year. last year. But yeah, so they have it. They have it. They just came out this year, and, and as you as you wrote down the notes, some pretty big surprises. I feel like. Yeah. So the the biggest surprises, and not not a surprise that Georgia up there at ten point nine, Alabama ten point eight, the two leaders, and then Auburn at nine point one. We're not going to go through all of them. If you want to go through all of them, go to ESPN.com. But there were a few that I think jumped jumped out at me. And the biggest one being LSU. LSU to have (laughs) 6.2 projected wins for the season. Everybody, of course, then rushes to the conclusion, if they win six games, Ed Orderon's gone. And this is a completely different situation. Why? He's only been there for three years. Yeah, but... Or two and a half now. But his contract allows for... For such a, I mean, he's got, he's actually got a pretty decent buyout. But given the dynamics that they already have in play just with Dave Aranda, a bunch of gumbo, probably. Yeah, it's basically just a lifetime supply of gumbo if they fire him. I right, see, but there's what is what is the expectation level in Baton Rouge? Because because it can't be anything offensive. It has to be like, all right, we understood you had six wins last year, but on the good side, like the defense only gave up nine points a game. 
Like, I feel like that's going to be how they measure success down there. So, yeah, that's that's the tough thing to really forecast is because there are so many question marks in the LSU offense. I mean, this is the first time in, you know, I guess essentially three or four years that they haven't had a stud running back coming back right. with either Leonard Fournette or Darius Geis. So you're looking at that, you know, they have two NFL running backs this, this year that they, that they lose, and you're, you're trying to figure out who their offensive stars are going to be. You don't know what the quarterback situation is going to look like if Miles Brennan or our favorite Frenchman. <laughs> Luel Narcisse, Narcisse. <laughs> uh, we're going to pronounce that right one of these Luel days. Yeah, let's just pretend it's that. There's no but, way he doesn't start. There's just no way. Yeah, he has to. So the the thing that I looked at, because I did, shameless plug alert, I did. Um, I broke down on Monday all of the FPI projections, which ones I thought were too low, which ones right. I thought were too high, which ones were just right. And I actually don't think it's that far off, the six no. ones. I do think it's still too low, but look at how, look at these games. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw these out there for you because if you're an LSU th- fan thinking we need offense, I don't know where it's going to come against these following <laughs> opponents. They've got Miami in the neutral site. In to Dallas? Op- to open the season. In Dallas to open the season. They, they are at Auburn. They are at Florida. Keep in mind, Todd Grantham's defense, I think, is going to do tremendous things this year at Aren't Florida. Aren't those like back-to-back weekends? Uh, they might be. I'd have to look that yeah. up. Yeah. They have home against Georgia, home against Alabama. Those are five games right there. Bama doesn't lose in Baton Rouge. Yeah. So those are five games right there. If they don't win any of those, which there's a decent chance, I think there's all, all four of those teams could easily have top 10, top 15 defenses in the country. And unless you win one of those Florida? games... 14 attempts. I think Florida's defensive potential is is tremendous. Whether yeah, or not they I mean, actually have a passing game, that's a different story. We should ask any Georgia fan what they think about the defensive potential with Todd Grantham. Would be. <laughs> Look at what he did at Mississippi State last year, though. That's true. That, Yelled at a lot of people. Got all red-faced. He, he completely turned them around. They've got yeah. C.C. Jefferson coming back. I'm I'm more a believer that Florida can has the upside to potentially have a top right. 15, top 20 offense. So you're looking at those, those five games right there, and you're thinking, man, we're going to have to win one of these games like 17 to 16, 14 right. to 13. And those that's five games of the schedule. If they lose all five of those games, then you're looking at 7-5. Again, not to get too caught up in the schedule, but the schedule played a big factor, I think, in that projection. You, I mean, I understand not getting too caught up in the schedule because it's it's only April and we don't know what's going to be what in four months from now. That being said, the schedule plays a pretty huge part. And I will, go, I will go to this, and I, we harp on it maybe, or I harp on it maybe too much, but Auburn's schedule last year, getting Bama and Georgia, both number one in the nation at the time, at home. Huge. That's a huge, that's a huge advantage, which is great. Like, it's, it's you know, I, I still don't understand why I don't stagger it, but, like, hats off to Auburn. Like, that's a smart way to schedule it. I, you know, it scares me how accurate these things can be sometimes because Auburn's at 9.1. They have a neutral site game against Washington to start the season, which is a top 10 team with a very mm-hmm. good coach. Right. Um, and then they also have, and they also have their quarterback coming back, right? Who are you talking about? Washington. Washington as uh, Browning. Yeah. No, Browning's, Browning's. No, he's gone? a senior this year because he was a sophomare when he, he had like 40 getting, touchdowns and like seven interceptions. Am I getting Browning and Luke Falk mixed up? Yeah, I, I think Browning's not. coming back. Browning's, I think Browning's the good back. one. Falk. Yeah, Falk no, had like Browning six is, interceptions twice in. <laughs> I'm pretty year. sure Browning's coming back. We're going to put so, that on record. Yes, but so but they have Washington a neutral site game, which I think they can win that game. It's, it's a short distance to Atlanta. That's still a huge game. And then now, you know, you flip the schedule from last year. They got to go to Alabama and to Georgia. So that's going to be tough for them. I was really surprised to see Mississippi State so high at eight and four. So eight point four. Let's let the record show eight point four <laughs> on the Richter I guess, scale. So in in my column, I actually. <laughs> 
I, I like you like take personal ownership over Mississippi State because they got a Big no, no, Ten no, guy no. as their head coach now. No, no, no. So I actually had the eight point four is too low because I think I think this could potentially be a nine to ten win team. Think about it. So you still, have, I mean, you obviously still have Nick Fitzgerald coming back. You have tremendous talent on the defensive line with Jeffrey Simmons, Montez Sweat coming back. These guys who did tremendous things last year, given what they were, given the fact that. Okay, you're still in the toughest division in football, in my right. opinion, and you're still going to be able to win eight games with a quarterback who, um, I don't want to say Nick Dement, that he's one-dimensional completely because I do think that he can throw, but Nick Fitzgerald is obviously a run-first guy. I think that he improves a lot under Joe Moorhead. Joe Moorhead. I've been saying over and, and over that I think, No, I, I actually think that, that Moorhead could potentially have more – Offensive oh, upside with nice. that group, then yeah, upside. We get we had to throw that word out there. No, I mean I could see that, but like it's it's see nothing nothing shocks me with any of the rankings from the East. Go ahead. So one more, just one more point about Mississippi State. There's one game on the schedule that looks daunting at Alabama, and it's the Alabama game. Other than that, I mean they get Auburn at home, and yeah, then what what other game on that schedule scares you and says you gotta that's wonder if Bama's looking ahead because they got Mercer the following week. Right, exactly. Yeah. So. No, I mean, I agree with you. And they don't play an out-of-conference out of schedule ever. So, exactly. I mean, they're they're going to be – that's Mississippi State, guys, not Alabama. No, I mean, I, I think it'll be interesting. I, so what I was most impressed by and I thought was most accurate before we get to what just concerned me the most was Georgia having a 41 – they were they had 10.9 was their, their projected wins. Bama's was 10.8. And another component of it was their chance to win out and their chance to win a conference championship. And Bama's was like 37%. Georgia's was like 41.5%. I think that's wildly accurate because Georgia's going to have an easier schedule just going through the East. But also, Georgia's going to be really good. Really good. So I'm I'm interested to see if Bama fans will lose their mind over this for no reason. Love the fact that Mizzou is at 7, hovering around there. I think Carolina's too low. seems about right. I think Carolina's too low as well. I think 7.2 for South Carolina doesn't make a lot of sense given the fact that, yeah, they won eight games. This is, and by the way, this is regular season and conference championships factored in. This isn't bowl games or anything like that. So it's not like you're looking at Oh, we're not going to factor in bowl games? Yeah, apparently. Hear that, you UCF that fans? <laughs> no, but then, like, right, what's concerned me the most was you look at the bottom and you've got your rebuilding teams, Arkansas, Tennessee, you got your basement dwellers, no offense, guys, but Vandy and Kentucky. I think Kentucky's way too low at five five point four. But when I say way too low, I mean Kentucky can go seven and five. Anyway. Like they've done the last two years. Yeah. Ole Miss is is point one ahead of LSU. Six point three to six point two. That's you weird go, to think Matt about. Luke. Yeah, that's that's weird to think about. And I actually think that the the, the six point three is, is fairly accurate because I think that their upside if if they continue to not stop the run, even with how great that offense is, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that offense later, Right. I think that the upside for that team is still six to seven wins. You have to stop right. the run in the SEC. You're not going to win the majority of your SEC games if you are one of the worst defenses in the country against the run. Plain I, just, I pray that Ole Miss LSU, they get to that game, and they're both 5-5, five and five, and that one of them has to win before they get their rival their last game of the year because I think for LSU it'll be A&M and for Arkansas it'll be I'm sorry for uh, Ole Miss obviously Mississippi State right. but just watching those two Matt Luke and Ed Orgeron fight for not for their jobs but for postseason even though Ole Miss I think can't go <laughs> but, yeah but like, no Ole Miss can't go to the postseason just they both so. there's just there's no two people in this world that look 
more like a stereotypical angry stepdad than those two. And to watch those two, Orgeron and Matt Luke go to head-to-head, oh, man. Matt Luke, though, Matt Luke looks like a, a kid in a candy store. I mean, like, He's fat. You're just saying he's fat. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm saying that he has the, what's the nice way to put it? Jovial. This? He has the aw shucks yeah. thing. That, that kind of attitude of like I'm just this is my dream job this is what I've right. always wanted and like so you you know it's it's not so hard to run <laughs> look, look where that got him yeah yeah my dream job you guys are all great and all that kind of stuff I, I ain't gonna be leaving after two and a half years you're going to well, the Alamo Bowl and yeah. Well, plenty more time to talk about Coach O, win projections, all that stuff. Let's talk about actual football because we did have actual yeah. football this past weekend. Auburn, Arkansas, Ole Miss were all in action, all played their spring games, and albeit not in great weather, at least they weren't in the Midwest or the Northeast. But Auburn, <laughs> I want to start with Auburn because that speaks for a lot all of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there were a lot of uh, a lot of takes going around, and I was one of them to be honest about what to make of this spring game where the offen- the Auburn defense was dominant and yeah. it looked potentially like a top oh, 10 top 15 so unit. They're going to be they're going to be good. And I that's mean, after I know losing Jeff, some pretty Jeff key Holland guys. And, Jeff Holland's yeah. gone like that's yeah, that's impressive. See them yeah. reload that quickly. So the thing that I was watching because we knew that Jared Stidham wasn't going to be playing in this game, he actually threw a little bit in the 7 on 7, but all eyes were going to be on Joey Gatewood, the right. promising early enrollee. And by promising, I say that because Gus Malzahn raised the bar awfully high for this kid by saying that physically he reminded him of Cam Newton. <sighs> what a dumb which, thing to say out loud. Like, I get where he's going with that because Joey Gatewood is— They have Gatewood the same is, body. Yeah, he's 6'5", 235, and he runs well. I mean, like, you saw him get in the open field. You know what Cam was coming out of high school from Atlanta? Uh, was he was he two forty? He was six five two thirty. He's like the same exact wow. build. And, and so yeah, it makes sense. But at the same time, you're like, no, don't put, don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Yeah. So I mean, watching Joey Gatewood, I mean, I'm not gonna write a kid off for playing in a, a spring game no. when he's been on campus for a couple months. Whatever, it takes Say it. time. Say it. But, but Joey Gatewood is a long, long ways yeah. away from being anything close to Cam Newton because, as we saw, he's got a, a ways to go as a passer. I mean, right. he's just—he's simply not polished yet to be able to make the simple throws. I think at, at the half he was like four of twelve for zero yards, and you know what? It's an early enrollee, and there's a lot of time to get this stuff situated. But I just thought that my takeaway from this was. There better not be any Auburn people saying that there's a quarterback battle, and there better not be any people saying that this kid is the next Cam Newton until they actually see him do this in live game action. Yeah. I think we need to hold off on that take. And also, if you're listening, Coach Malzahn, that, that includes He's you listening. too. Please don't, yeah. <laughs> please don't say that either for his own sake. Uh, you know, and the thing is, though, and this is, this is the beauty, the double-edged sword of, of spring games. And we, t- we open up talking about, like, Auburn's defense is legit. Like, they they look legit. And they are. I think they're going to be great. Kevin Seals is a fantastic defensive coordinator. And on top of that, they are they return a decent amount, even though you lose stars like Jeff Holland. That being said, what? No, I was just going to say that Gatewood was playing against the first-team defense, right. and a lot of the right. Gatewood apologists so, were probably pointing that out. Yeah, Yeah. so but like at the same time, then it's like, like so it's, we're not... Say, we're not throwing him under the bus or saying he, you know, he's not ready. I mean, he, he gets the luxury of what I always think is like a perfect, perfect situation for a quarterback, whether it be in the SEC or the NFL. And that is the fact that I don't think Stidham goes pro next year. I think Stidham's going to be a, a senior. No, I don't. I, I mean, I don't think he's that. I don't think he's a first he round the, guy. 
He was debating it this year, though. I don't That's know what thing. he was thinking about because there's like 17 quarterbacks going in the top 18 picks, according to Mel Kiper. They showed uh, that because he, he went elk hunting in like West Texas oh, during like a three-day period to try oh, yeah. and figure out what to do, and then they showed like the picture of him holding a big elk. Yeah, Jared Stidham likes to hunt. Maybe that's just all SEC quarterbacks. Jake Fromm loves to hunt. Would have been badass. Um, if, like I hate to say this, but if he was like somebody said, he superimposed that with like an elephant. He's like, "Yep, just out here. I'm coming back, guys." Yeah, that might have rubbed a few people the wrong way. Probably me. Whole, Probably would have rubbed me the wrong way. If it the whole happened. poaching thing. Yeah. yeah, that as well. But no, I mean, like, I just I don't think he goes pro after this year, in my opinion. And on top, because there's only so many numbers you can put up in that offense. And also, it's not an offense that's going to get you necessarily pro-ready. I get the Cam Newton thing. That's a, that's a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Don't forget that in the same offense, Nick Marshall was wildly successful. So he was. That being said, I think it's best. I mean, it would be best, for especially for Gatewood. If he gets two years, if he gets a redshirt this year, which he probably won't get the luxury of because he'll get some playing time. Because he's a di- I mean, we'll see. I mean, he'll get to run. But if he's not ready, he's, he's, they're not going to burn a redshirt on him. No, that's true. I mean, I would hope not. But I think they changed the rule this year that you get four games. Yeah, so the, I, I don't know if the, I don't think that's been finalized yet. I think they're working. To, they're they're working toward getting to that. I'm almost positive. To, I think it has. Was it? I think so. You're have using more red than I am about everything. So have I just not been paying attention on the internet enough? Lately? I doubt that it's possible because you know everything. So I, I would, no, I don't. I'm, okay. I'm pretty dumb actually. You'd be surprised. That's my wife. I am okay, a really dumb human being. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so but that being said, I I would love to see it if this kid. It's the same thing that I like love about what Aaron Rodgers did in Green Bay. And, and I, I know, like I said earlier, I'm like I'm a Bama fan and all that kind of stuff. But it would be awesome to see this kid at Auburn get two years and learn the offense, take his time, not be rushed into anything, right. and get like the kind of tutoring and mentoring that, that you need, I think, at that position. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, and we, can, we could probably talk about Auburn until we're blue in the face. A lot of things still have to be played out. Jared Stidham is not starting nicely, quarterback. Not nicely, but yeah. It's, I mean. Yeah, right. <laughs> Exactly. Let's move on to Arkansas. Chad Morris had a great comment before the spring game. He said that he wanted to break the record for spring game snaps. I'm breaking the damn sound barrier this weekend, y'all. Y'all come on out here. We're going to Fayetteville or Little Rock. I don't even care which one it is. We might just play uh, halfway in between each slate, and uh, and we're gonna be we're gonna run about 97,000 plays this weekend. So that's your default SEC coach voice. Yes. I'm on board with it. I'm on board with it. We don't know. I don't even know like. I, I, I haven't listened to Chad Morrison enough Not to be able much. to come up with an imitation. But, yeah, we'll work on that. So he ran 109 plays. Ran a lot of plays. And Does that so, impress you? No, no, no. So what impressed me was his post-game comment <laughs> where he said, we still have to play faster. <laughs> we, we still got to run more plays, man. Like, he wants to go. I so, want all Gatorade replaced with Red Bull and amphetamines. We got a lot to do right now, y'all. It'll be, like, what, maybe – a month on the job, or a month into the season before Injuries. Chad Morris gets a Red Bull contract? Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, because Orgeron's already got the, the monster one locked up because he has eight, he drinks eight a day, which is not, right. a, that's not a joke, that's a real thing. Nick that's, Saban's got Coke, and, you know, Chad Morris will have Red right. Bull, and pretty soon every SEC coach is just going to have their own beverage. I would hope so. Well, that's, that's a whole different take. We could have it on an episode Ooh. of that. Oh, I just thought of a good idea. We'll do that later on. You know, for you know what's his name? He's going to be drinking like chamomile up there at Vanderbilt. Oh, Derek Mason. Derek yeah. Mason. <laughs> anyway, yeah. no, but like that being said, like first off, you open yourself. I'm not. I'm not trying to sound like old school or like against the hurry up no huddle because I, I I'm all for it. But like 109 plays. First off, not impressed only because of the fact that it's a spring game. 
everyone lies about their numbers in a spring game. Not just stats, but I mean, like, like you, you said it this morning on our conference call. On our attendance, yeah. It's, yeah, it's like, oh, it's weird how all of the numbers are so round and even. Yeah. I mean, but like that being said, yeah, it's your spring game. You make up the rules as you go. You don't have you can. You could play five quarters, like, and, and, and somehow, somewhere in your fan base, no matter who it is, they'd be like, "I love this. I love what this coach is doing. He's he's teaching you not to play all four quarters, but if there's overtime, you're playing all five quarters. That's why you hold up five fingers in the air now under Chad Morris. Like, I, I feel like, like that. that's not that's not far away from being a thing in the SEC or no, anywhere in the not. country. Probably, you not. know, our boy Herm Edwards is probably doing it. Oh yeah. Wait, quarters? Half? We're playing nine we're innings, playing? y'all. Coach, yeah. again, wrong sport. Completely. Just completely. <laughs> oh, we'll get to some Herm stuff eventually. Not today, but unfortunately. Maybe uh, maybe next week. But Cole Kelly, Ty Story, neither of them really ran away with the job. You maybe hope to see some separation, but I kind of thought that this was going to be a battle that was going to go into, yeah. into fall camp. That's just kind of the way it is. The offensive line still sort of struggled, which Arkansas fans do not want to see at all. No. I hope that with this fast offense is that off the offensive line can get into more of a rhythm and you see just a little bit more of an identity guys like that like to play fast but you also need to get the conditioning up it takes yeah. time to implement stuff like that also you got to wonder if cole kelly is going to end up being switched to offensive line he's a big boy good lord he's 6'7 265 yeah uh the 265 might be i don't know he might be pushing more than that that's, he's that's definitely a large, pushing more than that that's a large individual i would not want to run into to Cole Kelly with a, no. with a head of steam. That seems like a bad idea. So Ole Miss, another offense that really interesting. I know we're offense heavy today, but that's just to me that's the more interesting thing in the in the spring games. Nobody likes just, defense. Defense, like yeah, it's all well and good, but offense, you know, chicks dig the long ball, chicks dig the quarterbacks. Um, nine innings. Yeah, nine. Five quarters. <laughs> So Ole Miss, after the spring game, DK Metcalf had a really uh, big spring game. He and Jordan, our, our guy, JT, Jordan That's right. Tamu. Jordan Tamu. So pumped. JT and JT and DK uh, had a nice little connection going. So after He was bringing game, sexy back. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's Stay really good. Yeah, I get it because that's what, yeah, it's just. Uh, <laughs> uh, DK Metcalf said that the Rebels can have the best offense in America in 2018. He was asked how good can the offense be, and he said the best in America. And I'm buying that. Yeah, I'm I know. I'm actually buying that. We talked about this earlier, and I'm buying the belief that they can. I'm not saying that they definitively will, but you look at the the what they return, obviously, with the, the group of receivers, with he, A.J. Brown, to Marcus Lodge. And I know you lose Van Jefferson, but that's still at a very explosive group. Yeah. And, yeah, Shea Patterson is gone. But what we saw from our boy, J.T., he picked up last year. his slack and, and more at the end of the year last year. Absolutely. And that offense looked really good. So you get Matt, Matt Luke with a full offseason with this offense, not a rush situation like right. what he had to deal with with Hugh Freeze. That's important. And, oh, by the way, the schedule actually gets a lot more conducive to having big-time offensive numbers. You're There's not going to be to Alabama. 900 points scored in that opening game against Texas Tech. It's going to be amazing. So instead of playing at Cal – against a defensive-minded Cal team. Those of you who don't know, <laughs> Justin Wilcox, a pretty good defensive mind. They held him to 16 points. A.J. Brown got injured in that game. Right. Instead, they're replacing that game with a neutral side game against Texas Tech. They could yeah. score 40 more points in that game than they did against Cal. So that projects to... Well, that's a bit much. <laughs> I mean... They scored like 38 in that game against Cal. No, they scored 16. Ole Miss oh, scored 16 points. Oh, maybe yeah. Cal scored. Okay. All right, yeah. You're, it was yeah, like 27 that's not, to 16. That's not that inaccurate at all. I mean, so here's my thing, though, about that. So Greg Little's back, correct? Left tackle. Okay. 
I don't know who else is on their offensive line. I'm not saying their offensive line won't be good or anything like that. It's a little bit early for me to start already researching this. But when you have the best offense in the country, a lot of times there's balance there. You have the ability to run the ball. Who's running the ball for them? So they've they've had a little bit of a running back situation. Uh, Eric Sweeney and then um, oh, I'm blanking on the, the name of the other running back. Exactly. Uh, not that it not that it necessarily matters though. I mean Jordan Wilkins last year rushed for a thousand yards, and you don't necessarily need that. I think right. if you're Ole Miss, I think you just need an offense that's capable that can run the ball, yeah. and they can have multiple backs. I'm not really worried about that. I think it's. I'm just saying yeah, they can't be one dimensional. Yeah, they can't be one dimensional. I don't think they will be, but I still think that the upside is there for them to do that because of what they have coming back and the fact that if you look at they actually like compared to the other t- the five passing offenses ahead of them, all of them lose their quarterbacks. None of them have their top three receivers returning. Right. That's what Ole Miss has. Oh, their now. passing so, game is going to be outrageous. I mean, and and again, like it, not enough is said of the fact that like Shea Patterson was putting up stupid numbers in almost every game. Oh, I know. I mean, he was the first quarterback since first SEC quarterback since Johnny Manziel to go 400 yards back to back. Right. I mean, that I know you're playing against cupcake teams, but you know the upside Regardless. for this offense is is still there, and I think they're they're still going to be really good. For him to hurt him, like be hurt and be like gone for the rest of the year, and then you bring in JT and he puts up what 11 touchdowns in three games. Yeah, I mean, figured things out very well towards the end of the season. We actually did, even did a story about how, on a game to game basis, he was. Better than Shea Patterson. Yeah, and that's hard to do to like be thrown in the fire like that. It's like, you know, not to use another baseball analogy, but pinch hitting's the worst. It is the absolute worst. Right. And you know, granted, he had like time to prepare like in between each week, but like that's to go eleven touchdowns in three weeks in the final three weeks of the year, and get a victory in the Egg Bowl. I know Nick Fitzgerald was hurt, but that's still like that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, I agree. I, and I, as as I said before, I think the the defense is going to make it so that Ole Miss has to put up a ton of points. Yeah, that is they're a They're going to get problem. into a lot of shootouts, and I don't think they're really going to be a team that's going to take their foot off the gas. So you know what, DK Metcalf, you're going to throw it out there, and I'm buying it. Yeah. Fun fact, fun fact about DK Metcalf, he actually wants to be a chef. He wants to open his own restaurant called Cheesy Goodness, where cheese is king, and put it on everything. Fun fact for the day. Wow, that's actually a pretty good tagline. Before yeah, that, no, I wasn't I like sold it. at all on that. Yeah, buy um, or sell I'm, on cheesy goodness. I'm I'm buying. Yeah, whatever DK Metcalf. My is, uh, my girlfriend just had uh, queso for the first time in her life, like six weeks what? ago. I know we're we're gonna break up. It's something we'll we'll have to talk about another subject. But anyway, it's amazing on. that you guys have lasted six weeks. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. <laughs> All right, well, we looked back to this this past weekend. Let's look ahead to this weekend because we've got four more SEC spring games. Kentucky kicks the action off on Friday night. And buy yourself Friday also, spring game. You know, Michigan did it a couple years ago, and I I didn't like the idea, but I'll say it depends on who you are. Because exactly. I think if you're a lesser program, a okay, lesser well. known program, so to speak, <laughs> I think that you can get away with it because it makes sure that all eyes are on you. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I and don't it's more mind football it. for us for the weekend. Yeah, if you're a big time program, I don't like it. But I mean, this this past weekend, Auburn and or was it, no Arkansas and Ole Miss were on at the same exact time. Right at two o'clock. So it's like, yeah, I want to watch both of those. <sighs> Girlfriend's new cable package apparently didn't have ESPNU. Another problem we're having right now. That and the queso. So I had to watch the Arkansas spring game instead of Ole Miss. But like, I love and- the fact that we're gonna get more football this weekend by them having their game on Friday. And I hate the way you said it, but yeah, it's pretty accurate. I mean, it's a yeah. lesser program, so it's. Just you yeah. know, have it on a Monday afternoon, for God's sakes, Vanderbilt. Yeah. But might not be a lesser program if Terry Wilson, the JUCO quarterback, 
Uh, transferred from Garden City Juco College, but it was previously at Oregon and then transferred after Justin Herbert took over. He's what Kentucky fans are excited about because he is the presumed favorite. I don't want to say that Gunnar Hoke can't win the job, but there's a lot of hype for what Terry Wilson can do, and I'm, right. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what he's going to be able to do throwing the football. I don't think really a lot of people question um, if he's going to be able to be the, the dual-threat guy that they need. He's, you know, been able to put up big numbers rushing, but he's still, you know, he's he's not necessarily a, a slouch as a passer. And I I want to see, though, if he can stretch the field. He had yeah. 6.3 yards per attempt in Juco. Like, Which that's, that's not great. No, yeah. but and it was it was a surprise when, and this sucks, I'm, his name escapes me right now, but the quarterback Kentucky had last year just retired, basically. Steven Johnson, yeah. Yeah, like on a whim. He was a fantastic quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he had his moments, but I think the thing that was missing from, from Kentucky, and he was, I thought he was great at kind of understanding the moment. Yes. You know, not turning the not turning the ball over. He was a guy that you trusted at the end of games. Tennessee. But, right, exactly. But the thing that I would say is that with a guy like Benny Snell coming back, who was a first-team all-SEC running he's back. back. He's back. He's, he's been only, there since, he's like, like 2003. Well, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. I mean, he he's very outspoken and maybe made a lot of headlines as a freshman Good and going Lord. into his sophomore season. Okay. Yeah. So like, you get a back like him that comes back, and to me, if you can stretch the field, you're golden. You've right. got a really formidable offense, and you can do some damage with a one-two punch like that. So I don't know what they're going to base the starting quarterback race on. If it's going to be the guy who can stretch the field, it's the guy who can just hit the intermediate passes right. and not turn the ball over. I don't know, but we're going to get a good look at both of these guys. I mean, they Kentucky's defense it was was a lot better than I thought it would be last year. It was, and Jordan Jones is going to be out until uh, until fall camp. He's got an ankle injury. Yeah, he's sort of the the straw that stirs the drink for the, for that defense. So we won't get to see him. But there are still questions about what they're going to be able to do in terms of putting up points against actual defenses. Right. And I think that's that's the big thing because you can load the box against Benny Snell all day, but until you <laughs> find that guy at quarterback, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? I mean, again, though, it, and I'm not I'm not saying this it's as a segue into the Florida spring game, but they are two plays away from beating Florida last year, and those two plays, all that you really had to do was just remember to put an 11th player on the field. Difficult concept. Almost mind-blowing that it could happen more than once in a game. But it happened both times for touchdowns. How many times have you forgot to put an 11th player on the field? Let me Even, ask you that. I mean, luckily, Madden, when I've, the few times I've played it, or is that a metaphor for something? What are you saying right now, Connor? I don't know. We're I was moving just gonna on. See where, I was going to see this where you're This is getting real uncomfortable. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk Every about day of my so. life. <laughs> let's talk more quarterbacks with Mizzou. Uh, Mizzou spring game. Everybody knows who's going to be the starting quarterback. It's Drew Locke. He's the guy. Threw for more touchdown passes than Backpack anybody in college kid. football. The backpack kid. We love it. Tom Herman doesn't love it, but no. <laughs> everybody wants to see how Derek Dooley looks running this offense. And basically, has he messed up Drew Locke? Yeah, I, that's pretty much it. I think that's Drew Locke's going to come out throwing left-handed, and he's going to be wearing like shorts or something stupid. And I'm going to be. I'm, we're all going to blame Derek Dooley. And you're going to be left scratching your head, like, what did what Derek Dooley tell Drew Locke to make him come him? back? <laughs> Yeah, how did, it's only been two and a half months. How did it's you like do that? wife swap, Derek Dooley edition. <laughs> well, 
gosh. Mizzou fans hope that that doesn't happen. They hope that it just looks like the Josh Heupel offense. Yeah. And it's the same old Drew Locke. We're probably not going to see much of Drew Locke. With a guy like him, I mean, it wouldn't be surprised if they put him out one series just so that fans aren't worried going into the summer. No, he's got to play. Just don't touch him. Yeah, I mean, you can do that, but you can always turn an ankle. I mean, these these things happen in spring games. Usually err on the side of cautions with when you have a stud starting quarterback. That's usually the way things work. So I want to see, though, so the, the weird thing was that, like, I think it was last week, Derek Dooley had a comment where he's like, yeah, we're still searching for our offensive identity. And you're like, <laughs> wait, 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 Dang wait, wait. Dang it, Derek. Wait. Wait a minute. Like, no, you we saw have last one. Year, we throw the you, ball. Right. Like, you, you saw what Mizzou did he had last 40 year. 40 like, touchdowns. That quarterback is, is coming back, right? Like, the guy who, who threw for like three bombs in the first half against Georgia, like, that guy, yeah. is, he's back. Okay. That, Probably that all in be cover right two there. routes. You, you have a cover two reference on every single podcast. <laughs> every single time there's a chance to give just Georgia, <laughs> you just tw- you twist the knife. And Georgia fans are probably listening to you. I love like, Georgia fans. They're fantastic. You live, in the, you live in the state of Georgia, so yeah, that's true. if you live if you live in Atlanta and you're, you're whoa, close whoa, whoa, to Christmas. Whoa, whoa, what are you doing? About whoa, to get out not, my address? Whoa, like, whoa. <laughs> no, but so the bubble. thing is that the offensive identity, and you're right, because that, that was crazy. I mean, you knew that wasn't going to last. They were tied 21-21 with Georgia in the second quarter in Athens, of all places, for a night right. game, which is crazy. But, um, yeah, it just uh, – they have an offensive identity. A great one. A great one. A great one. Arguably the best. Like, now yeah. that's a kid that I could have – Easily seen, like, going pro. I, th- I told you I thought he I benefited thought he more for coming back. But, like, 40 touchdowns? And, and again, this pissed me off. He didn't even get a sniff as the, the offensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean, you could argue 40 that. touchdowns. Argue that. <laughs> a lot of those came in. I, I, don't, I shouldn't say a lot of them. But there were a significant amount that came in non-conference games against non-SEC All right, to be fair, they played Southeast Missouri like they always do. Right, so They right. played SEMO, and, and they I think they gave up like 50-something points to them. Yeah, right. But it wasn't garbage I, time. No, it, it wasn't. I like Drew Locke. I think he has room to improve as a passer. Yeah. I think he would have benefited from going to the NFL. I think he can still benefit from coming back if Derek Dooley doesn't mess him up. I hope Derek Dooley doesn't come out in some stupid pants. He always wore stupid pants at Tennessee. Just like these orange, very, very pleated orange pants with a crease down the middle. He looked straight out of like 1974. Let's get him in the uh, Mizzou like checkered Don't pants. Say, oh, God. That'd be quite the I look. hope they make him coach like from the rocks. Go sit on the rocks and think. Every interception, Derek Dooley should have to go sit on the rocks for five minutes. Poor Derek Dooley. I really hope that he doesn't have to face too many, too many negative preseason thoughts because it's too early to jump on just, any of that. Just stuff. all from me. Sorry. I know. Yeah. We'll move on to to Florida. All eyes are going to be on Felipe Franks and Emory Jones in that quarterback situation. Felipe Franks. I think Florida fans have sort of cooled on big time. <sighs> He I had mean, that one moment. If you're still holding out hope that he's going to throw a Hail Mary like he did against Tennessee and do that like on a weekly basis, you are you, have more, you are more patient, patient word of the day, yeah, than I am. Yeah, that's a good word. Niche. Niche patient. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing what Emory Jones can do. He has been billed as the quarterback of the future for Dan Mullen. He was such a big recruiting victory to be able to get him instead of Ohio State. Yeah. And having a guy like Dan Mullen to be able to coach him. Obviously, he's coming to Florida because of that. So right. those two guys are going to have the you know the eyes on them, so to speak. And I think this is going to take some time, but we're obviously going to rush to hot takes based on Florida's quarterback situation, right? That's what we do. I mean, yeah, and the thing is, they don't have to be in a position. Like last year, they weren't good enough 
to where they they weren't good enough, I think, as a team to understand that like they could pound the football a little bit. They, they you know what you're right, and I, I think that was a little bit underrated. Yeah, it's tough though when you fall behind early in games. Who's number twenty? Number twenty? No, number twenty on the roster was that because that wasn't the running Scarlett. back. He's got he's got like a very common last name. It's like uh, per, uh, it's the same kid from Oklahoma a couple years ago, P Ryan. Oh, Samaj P. Ryan was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lamical it's the same P. last name. Yeah, yeah. So that kid, I watched him a couple games. I watched him against Vandy, which is, you know, saying not much. And then I watched him against Tennessee when I was there and left early like an idiot. He, yeah, that kid's good. That kid is an SEC running back. He's, comp- he's built. He's compact. He's got breakaway speed if he can get behind a defense. I, what I think they'll have to do in Mullen's offense is, like, as much of a spread offense as it is, they're gonna establish. They're, they're gonna have to establish the run early. And I understand they lost their best receiver in recent memory, but like they have enough talent down there to where you don't have to have Felipe Franks win you a game, and you don't have to have a 17-year-old kid come in and be your quarterback to win you games either. They should be talented enough, I think, and deep enough, especially on the offensive line and running back to. Right. So we were talking about what we think potentially that, like, what's Mizzou's identity? Florida's identity could be the team that runs the ball a ton and actually plays really good defense because I think that's what they're going to be able to do. And you have Malik Davis back. That was, I was blanking on on Malik Davis's first name, which is terrible. I don't know why. I'm not midseason form yet. But you also get Jordan Scarley coming back off suspension. This is a team that I actually wrote could potentially have one of the better running attacks in the SEC right. could be a dark horse team to have the best running group in the SEC just because they have so many different guys that can do it. Right. And I don't think they're going to want to really rely on, on <laughs> you know, on their quarterback to move the chains. So, not after those scrimmage stats that, that Felipe had. <laughs> but the Dan Mullen era, the beginning of the Dan Mullen era, for those of us who didn't go to the public practice, this is going to be the first time that we're going to be seeing him. Also, the beginning of the Jimbo Fisher era at Texas A&M, oh, this is the first time that Already we're going to see it. You're already over Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Give him a is, chance. So one of my best friends is a is a Florida State guy, and and side note, we so we did we dabbled uh, dabbled with a podcast last year, and so every week I had to I had to hear about the Jimbo Fisher thing. Not had to like I you know I was pulling for them, like I'll pretend to pull for the Cubs for you. That being Appreciate said, that. of course. That being said, go Cardinals. Anyway, that being <laughs> that being said. <laughs> <laughs> you take that out your mouth. So, okay. <laughs> that being said, Jimbo Fisher was the worst. He was the worst last year. And I like. I, here's what I want. Here's all I want. And because Texas A&M is such a proud fan base, and they really, I really liked. I really liked someone a lot. I hated that he would get to. As much as I made fun of it, I hated that he would get to November and just like forget how to coach, and just everything went downhill from there. I, what I want more than anything is for Jimbo. Just to be in September and be four and zero, or three and one, and just be doing it on the field, so I don't have to hear all of like the the chatter and side BS. That's can that's what I'm over. Can you imagine if they beat Clemson week two? Oh my god, the hype for Jimbo is going to be off the charts. Is it at Clemson? I, don't, I think I'm going to that game. No, I think it's it's a home game. It's in College Station. I think it's in College Station. Are you sure? Because they uh, ESPN gave Clemson a 67 percent chance of like. Going undefeated. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's that's in College Station. Either way, I mean, that's yeah. it's gonna be like yeah, that'll be a huge game. And thank God for Week Two games too. Nice. Anyway, well, AM's quarterback battle is interesting because you're not dealing with like the typical newcomer, so to speak, against a guy who's been waiting in the wings. Right. It's really two guys who got a chance to run away with a starting job last year, and I would argue at moments that both looked 
solid. And I think that Jimbo Fisher is going to take all that into account. And I think this is truly right. an open competition. You just got to wonder, though. I mean, like, which one is he going to believe in? And, you know, if they make a mistake, is it too late to say sorry? That's a great song. Oh, I see what you did there. You tied it into Bieber, the Nick Starko thing. You didn't oh even catch Believe. Goodness. Come on, Connor. You are not mid-season you, form. You said Believe? Wow. Yeah, yeah, crushing it. Somewhere there's one slow. Justin Bieber fan in the SEC listening Just to this right now. I was like, yes, he gets me. Love it. I do. Love it. I do, Tevin. Yeah, I bet Nick Starko's going to have the Bieber shirt out on Saturday because that's what he does. That's that's who he is. Kellen Mond is probably not going to have a Bieber shirt, but he's going to have his own identity. Another word of the day, identity. But see, outside of outside of Alabama, this is, I think, the most intriguing and best quarterback battle. Yeah, it could be because, I mean, Starkle threw for like 500 yards on the Belk Bowl. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it didn't look perfect, so to speak, but... When you throw for 500 yards, it's yeah. going to turn some heads. And I thought they actually looked like a much better offense yes. when he he returned last year. And I don't know if that's going to stick. And we don't know what Jimbo Fisher has in mind, short or long term. He doesn't necessarily have his type of quarterback, so to speak. I think that his type of quarterback is the best guy on his roster, yeah. and he's going to break him down and try and coach him up as much as possible. Right. So I don't I don't know what to make of that yet. I, I honestly think either guy could win the job. I don't think that. There is a definitive favorite. Maybe Sarkle has a tiny leg up because of the Belk Bowl. Right. Other than that, I don't know. Maybe we'll see on, on, on Saturday with the spring game. Another Texas A&M topic that we got to talk about. Have to, yes. So new cornerbacks coach Maurice Linguist. Linguist? Linguist. Linguist? Quiche. Ling- <sighs> Getting awful close there. <laughs> he said on, uh, this is uh, courtesy of 24-7 Sports, he said that he thinks that the Aggies have the best job in the country. That's that's an interesting take. I think we get into this discussion like too often about what's the best job? Is this a top five job? Is this a top ten job? What might be a top five job for some might not be a top five job for others. Right. And I struggle with the the overarching theme that Texas A and M, this program that has been on the cusp but not quite there for the last twenty years or so, right, is considered the best job in the country i get what he's trying to say i get that what would be your top three i mean i'd put georgia in there i don't even know i don't think i'd put alabama in there no there's is no chance crazy? i wouldn't no it's a great crazy? idea georgia is a top top three job in my opinion and i'd like again i, I don't so. like doing this Man. i don't like doing this because i think it depends on the era i think it depends on a coach's background and whether or not he is strictly 1945 to 1953 who's your top three jobs uh, don't michigan <laughs> michigan yeah, because they actually won a national championship back then. No, I, yeah. I. So this, when you put this in the notes, I, I originally was like, ha, that is so stupid. And then I started thinking about it. Like this is a program that within the last five years had boosters pump in seven hundred and fifty million dollars into their facilities. Right. That's crazy. That's a crazy amount of money. Yeah. So the, a big part of like whether or not a job is great. Depends on support. It depends on facilities. Right. It depends on fan, like whether or not you're selling out on a given week. Regardless, I get all that stuff. And Texas A&M has all that. And the yeah. twelfth man is tremendous. Hundred and five thousand that stadium. It's incredible. And I, I, I will not deny that. What I deny is that if it's such a great job, then how come they haven't produced a top twenty season since nineteen ninety four? Consecutive top twenty seasons. Right. Let me preface that. That's that's a crazy stat, by the way. Yeah. I mean, they haven't been consistently relevant since the death of the Southwest Conference. Yeah. Like, weren't year, yearly contenders in the Big 12, haven't been yearly contenders in the SEC. Haven't finished top 20. 
no, no, haven't produced consecutive top right. 20 seasons. So here, here's why that's crazy to me is I've said this before, 2012, at the end of the season, they were the best team in the country. I know Bama won the national championship. Notre Dame was undefeated. They played in the BCS title. There was not a team in the country, including the Browns, that would have beat Texas A&M that year. They were incredible. So how oh, do I they agree. not, when they return Mike Evans and Manziel the next year, how are they not top 20? That's crazy. See, I don't know if that necessarily would rank the best job in the country for me. Because it, it, for me, it's like, what, what entices you to go there? Wait a sec. So I was wrong. I was dead wrong. Let's, <laughs> let's preface this. I was wrong. Sorry. I looked this up because <laughs> as I said it out loud, I'm like, I'm an idiot. Yeah, of course they finished Glad we did 20, this segment. 2012 and 2013. No, okay. I so, I was <laughs> so you were right and I was wrong. So this goes back to the discussion. I am not right about everything okay. at all. Apparently, apparently I'm, I was just using like fake news to push my agenda. Sweet set uh, advice, man. Okay, but I was, I would still, I would still preface this by saying, you've had one consecutive top twenty seasons, <laughs> haven't had top fifteen seasons yeah. in the, in the last there twenty years. I mean, so I'm now I'm jaded about this this topic. But what I will say now is, nobody can ever take seriously what I have to say. The only con for me with Texas A&M is the amount of women they have at that university. That's pretty much that's the only thing I give. I like to joke around with, with A&M fans because it's such a proud fan base. You have so much booster money. You have great facilities. You have an endless amount of like resources to recruit in the state of Texas. Right. And, and, and now, now more than ever, man, Texas is not great. Nobody wants to go to Lubbock. Have you been to Lubbock? Exactly. What's yeah. in San Antonio? UTSA and a damn river walk. That's about it. Sometimes they get the Final Four. That's literally about it. Cobblestone. Time will tell if Texas A&M truly is the best job in the country. If Jimbo Fisher starts winning fake national championships gonna, there, yeah. then, yeah, that'll happen. But a team that has actually won a national championship, Alabama. And Alabama's gotten there by beating some teams at neutral sites to open the season. The Alabama neutral sites pay, payouts were reported by AL.com. Apparently, Alabama got $6 million from USC in 2016. Is that four but, after taxes? I think it's before. That sounds like a before That's a tax bunch number. of basura. Anyway. Yeah. But apparently for this Louisville game this upcoming year and the next year in 2019, they're only getting $4.5 million. Shouldn't even be getting that much. You have to pay me to watch that game. I mean, Alabama's favored by like 30 or yeah, something Yeah, 28. Like the line went up. The line went up yeah. to 30 from 28 and a half. I mean, yeah, I mean, that sounds about right. And, and we talked about this, you know, earlier. And, that, and the, what, what I think about all this and and i think it's warranted and and like and garnered like yeah who cares like i they should be playing somebody difficult i think to open the season but that being said like even as a fan i'm tired of seeing it it's the same crap every year it's i mean yeah you you roll in you play a team that may or may not be ranked you know more often than not they're ranked but they beat the daylights out of them and then, you know, like, and you got to say, like, the past couple years, like, yeah, all right, they caught Florida State early, who was ranked third in the country, and they ended up being trash. Then they end up playing a USC team early in the year that didn't find their identity until, like, late October, and, you know, caught them while they were kind of down. I, yeah, I don't think they should be getting paid upwards of eight figures to play in these games because the novelty's worn off. I think it has, and I think that's that's part of the reason why Saban wants to do these, these home-and-homes. I think he sees the market – Changing and maybe it's because of freaking millennials and their millennials. and their cable subscriptions and you know the the cost for the cost for of, of having cable networks broadcast these games right. and some of the rights fees are potentially you know maybe that balloon is going to go down and he's trying to project ahead. But well, I mean it, the best example, and I mean to interrupt, but like ask Georgia fans. Like I I talked to. I've been I went to the Florida State game last year. Granted, that's in my backyard. I'm like 1.7 miles from the stadium. 
That and that was cool. That was a cool environment to go to that game. That being said, ask a Georgia fan what their experience was going to Notre Dame. I guarantee you, it tops any any fan's experience going to a neutral site game. It's oh, just yeah. it's it, hands down better, especially when you win. Yeah. So Saban said that business. I would have to look up the numbers in terms of like what they would make for a home and home for Notre Dame or something like that, and the benefits of that. But he said it was a business decision to have all these neutral site games before, and now maybe it might be a business decision moving forward, and the fact that maybe the novelty has worn off and they're going to be able to get a different kind of win and maybe help out the resume in a different way. I think that all ties into this. One more thing that I want to hit on before we, uh, before we wrap things up here with a little it might mean too much. Before that, I want to get your thoughts quickly on this, uh, this Shea Patterson situation. Bizarre, bizarre situation that's unfolding with he and Ole Miss. Ole Miss is apparently objecting to claims that Shea Patterson made in his transfer waiver. CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd reported that. Also, uh, he also quoted Patterson's attorney, Thomas Mars. You might remember him from the Houston Nut uh, situation. with Same Ole attorney. Miss. He's basically, yeah, he's basically like the anti-Ole Miss attorney. So apparently, uh, Thomas Mars said... Uh, Ole Miss is objecting to Shea Patterson's assessment of the conditions within the program that the quarterback claims caused him to transfer from the school amid an NCAA scandal, his attorney told CBS Sports. So basically Ole Miss is trying to get him not eligible for this year and saying that his claims were a little bit much and we weren't as bad as maybe he made us out to be. So Thomas Mars then responds to that by saying, whoever wrote that response for Ole Miss either wasn't paying attention last year or had a selective case of amnesia. Doubles down. (laughs) Doubles down. Goes to the Detroit News, Thomas Mars does. Tells Detroit. By the way, real quick, Detroit Detroit has two newspapers. Free Press and Detroit News. That's incredible to me. Chicago does too. Chicago's a real city, not torn apart by bankruptcy and abandonment. Another discussion for another time. Yes, agreed. So he, Thomas Mars, told the Detroit News, uh, if I didn't know any better, I would have thought Ole Miss hired Pinocchio to write its response <laughs> to Michigan's waiver request. <laughs> Love it. That, that is a, I mean, when you say double down, like he really swung for oh, the fences yeah. on that one. He's going after it. He's making it known. I, so my thing with all of this is, and you should earmuff at Ole Miss fans, here's the deal. It, Ole Miss... Is, is still chasing a quarterback that's wanted to leave, so they don't want to be a part of your university. After playing for you, leading your team, he left and went across the country to a different conference, different team. Let it go. Like, how are you still fighting this? How are you so on board with fighting this and, and try to be so on top of, of this issue when just less than two years ago you couldn't keep – Anything on track with a head coach who was hiring right. prostitutes to cut from his own personal cell phone that you issued him. It's it's weird <sighs> that because I don't think it's necessarily like Matt Luke or, or or anybody more than an administrative figure that's that's posing this opposition right. to Shea Patterson. What he's trying to it do. It can't be Matt it's, Luke. It's it's not a bad, it's not a good look. No, it's, it's just not a good look, especially considering. Petty here's the interesting thing. <laughs> Gosh. So over the weekend, Ole Miss moved up to number one in the 2019 recruiting class rankings. And Matt Luke said that that was a result of finally finally being able to move on. There's no cloud right. hanging over the program anymore. So now you still want to like bring up this this stuff and have this be like a national story? Like here's, what? Like what's the point? Here's what here's what bothers me the most about this. Ole Miss was under a cloud of of doubt by everyone in the SEC, mm-hmm. which is like fair, unfair, whatever you want to say. Like the Kim Dietschy thing. 
bringing in this top crew. They signed they signed three five stars. They signed the number one player in Illinois, number one player in the country out of Georgia. He signed you know Laramie Tunsil out of Florida, the number one offensive tackle, and they all come to Oxford. It's the first time they had that highly ranked of a class ever. And then you have your coach like, nope, we're not cheating, we're not cheating. And then every morning going on Twitter and posting Bible verses. Nope, we're not cheating. And then, and, and that's a double down, if you ask me. It's like, no, we're not down. cheating. And then also, basically, y'all should look at Proverbs today, y'all. No, absolutely not. And if that's that's what got you in trouble was having that much like outlandish BS around – God, really trying to censor it here – BS around your program – Get do everything you can to get rid of that. Do everything you can to sweep that in the past under the rug, anywhere away from where you are now, and move forward. Yeah, I hope this situation is is far is is nearing a conclusion, and that we're going to get a ruling from the NCAA as to whether or not Patterson and Jefferson are going to be eligible this year. Uh, in my book, they should be, and pretty much anybody that looks at this situation objectively, I think they would say they should be eligible. They stayed through one postseason list season, staying through another. I mean, guys are trying to go to the NFL. So we will wrap things up today. Oh boy, with talking about your favorite subject. Yeah. It's it might mean it's time for it might mean too much, uh, and the subject is you. I did too much. I made a mistake. Yes. I made a mistake, guys. Yes, you did guys. too much. Take it away. <laughs> so last week, <laughs> I I wrote a tweet. It's not a subtweet. You wrote subtweet UCF. I went after it. I, I tagged them in this tweet, and um, not a lot of you follow me on Twitter, so you can uh, you can follow me at C Marler Comedian, which is just ironically perfect uh, in this this narrative. Basically, what happened was I decided to tweet at Central Florida's football program. You quote tweeted them, which people take offense to that. I didn't quote tweet them. I said I, th- I, I tweeted at them, and I was like. Can't wait to see at UCF football uh, claim they right. won the green jacket this weekend. That's right. They responded. Now, the back and forth, like, I, like I've done comedy for seven years tomorrow. Okay? A little humble brag there. Sick brag. Sick brag. So, it, uh, dealing with a heckler, like, that's my favorite thing in the world. Because I'm really good at that banter and trash talking and back and forth. And I, now I can't really, none of you will believe that after seeing this whole thing unfold. Because I got owned on Twitter by yes, Central Florida. It was awful. It was I tweeted at you and, and, and our boss, and I was like, game time. Here we go. And what happened was I got just absolutely attacked from all angles. Of Central Florida fans, are they're, they're out in full force. They're so Rewind. deep. Rewind. <laughs> Tell us what, what UCF said to you in response to this. I don't remember. What was it? It was... <laughs> It, it means so much gr- to you that you couldn't even remember that. It said, oh, it said gold jacket, green jacket, dot, 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 we got a natty. And so that's exactly. when I was like, just gets more adorable by the day. And then and the, then the that's firestorm. When, yeah. And so and yeah. also I thought this was a pretty good response when I said, hey, real talk, UCF football, do you really think you really believe R. Kelly could fly? I thought that was pretty good. It was not. They did not. No one else thought that. Space Jam. Space Jam. <laughs> hell, hell of a movie. So, but what ends up happening is, I guess, like you put it best, there's like 80 bazillion commuters that went to this school, all of them now. Big alumni base. Big alumni base, really enjoying this fake national championship. And they just came out from every angle. And I like, usually again, like I I bring on trash talk and banter and back and forth because I'm really good at it. I was, this was lost early. I mean, I was lost. I was beat early. And you just sat back and watched it. You, just you humbled sat. yourself. I, 
God, it was so bad. Yeah, but uh, basically, and then the worst part was it went on for several more days. There was one gentleman who had glasses on. Uh, he had, like, sunglasses on inside in his picture. He actually tweeted at me several weeks ago when I did this. And he came oh, nice. He came back around. He's like, oh, you at it again? Just remember. And he made, like, the worst pick stitch gif ever. And it was like, no one cares what you think. And they were, like, separate sayings. And then there was, like, a UCF football thing in between. It was awful. I do want to give a shout-out to one person. And I've been trying to find you on Twitter for the past, like, several days to follow you and also to, to give you a shout-out on this pod. There was one person that came to my defense on Twitter. And he said... He quoted something we said on the podcast and then put hashtag SEC, hashtag SDSpod. You, sir, you are a hero. Tweet at me. I'm going to send you a sticker. Thank you very much for doing that. Because outside of my girlfriend, no one came to my defense. No one defended yeah, my you, honor. You got peppered. It was bad. It was real bad. There was nothing I could you, do. You got to learn what it felt like to be Butch Jones for one night. Yeah, yeah. and it, it wasn't one night. It was several days. Anyway. Several days. Yeah, we hope uh, we hope maybe this weekend you won't make the same mistake. Uh, never again. We we appreciate. Uh, we're going to save the five star reviews for next week. That's a little motivation to our listeners. There you go. You come up with a good five star review. We're definitely going to read it next week. We love those five star reviews. We appreciate you guys following us on Twitter at the SDS Pod is gaining a little bit of steam. I'd like to think we could gain some more steam. Yeah, love challenge that. you guys. Gain some more steam with it. Uh, follow at C Marler Comedian or oh, come up with a better handle for him because okay. comedian maybe should go out the window. Or and is that, it at- that's so that's what everyone that's that's the worst part about all this is that like they, everyone's first response is like, oh, you're a comedian? <laughs> Not funny. Well, that's a small sample size, guys. Really messed up that all of you just came and attacked me at UCF fans there. I joked around and said I was gonna change the C Marler national champion. What we're going to do tonight, I do a Facebook Live every week on the STS Facebook page. It's this is Tuesday night, Tuesday so night, yeah. I guess maybe you guys probably won't be hearing this, but if you're going looking forward to next week, yes. yeah, go on next week. We can, and we can Live. do it again next week, too. But every Tuesday at 7 o'clock, we do a Facebook Live on STS Facebook. And uh, I'm going to be reading some mean tweets about me on air. Nice. And then also, um, any of your suggestions on what my new Twitter handle should be, and I will change it. So Love it. Yes, there you go. Excellent. Well, we appreciate you guys listening. Watch a lot of spring games this weekend because the Masters isn't on and you have no excuse not to. So There you go. I mean, last time I checked, it might mean too much if you watch four SEC spring games start to finish or maybe you're just a really good fan. Just saying. That's right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.